0: Welcome to The Lori Clark Show. Our next guest is Melissa, and she has two sons on the autism spectrum. She is here today to share her story with us. Welcome, Melissa.
1: Uh, hi, yeah, um, I have two sons. Uh, my older son is Leo, and my younger son is Jack, and they joined our family through adoption from uh, Eastern Europe, from Ukraine, just going on about eight years ago. And how old are they now? 12, almost 13. And my younger son, Jack, would tell you there's like 14 more sleeps to his birthday. Ah, oh, 14 more sleeps. <laughs> Love it, hey? Yeah. We um, we struggled, started a family of our own for many years and decided that adoption was the way we wanted to go and searched many, many countries and figured out that Korean was probably the best, best uh, mix for us. After two and a half years, we were able to finally go over to Ukraine, not to talk too much about adoption, but most countries send you a proposal and so you know what child you're going to meet. Uh, Mm -hmm. In Ukraine, it's called a blind adoption. Long story short, we jumped through a whole bunch of hoops when we got there and miraculously were able to find our two boys and had probably 20 minutes to decide if they were our kids. And then uh, we were in Ukraine for about 40 days plus um, before we were able to bring them home um, in January of 2010. And had been um, institutionalized basically since birth, both of them. And they didn't know each other. They were in two separate rooms. They had never been together. And most of the people that worked there didn't know they were biological brothers. So not only did we adopt two at the same time, but they had to learn what it's like to be brothers. And then, of course, they had to learn English. And it was a big, big thing. <laughs> wow. But, uh, so That's, a whole, a other, That's a whole, almost a whole other story.
0: It's a whole other story. because. Questions about all of that um yeah. so they were institutionalized and was that because so that was just with an orphanage or was it because there yeah. was a diagnosis they were,
1: they were no there was no diagnosis um they were institutionalized because their mother was not capable of uh caring for them um, that she was probably also on the autism spectrum most likely not capable of caring for them at all a blessing for sure that they found us and we found them and were able to bring them over to Canada where they have at least some shot of a life whereas they would not have been given that opportunity in Ukraine there is no such thing as diagnosing for autism there they would have probably gone undiagnosed their whole lives so yeah Yeah, and we didn't know anything about autism had Barely heard the word when we adopted, right. maybe once or twice in the media, but it was not anything that we were looking for. Or we didn't, we're not saints that we went to try to adopt children with special needs or exceptional needs. It just happened to be that they came with that once we got them home. Wow. That's, that's amazing. It was um, a big surprise. It was a big surprise when we finally got the diagnosis. We were um, very, very shocked. Yeah, it was quite the day. We expected... Be, you know, in preparing for our adoption, we, we did a lot of work and a lot of courses and really prepared ourselves for what it would be like to have children that were institutionalized. And everything we had been told is once they get to a home and once they get love and attention and good food and good medical care and they're on a routine, that all the issues that we would be dealing with from institutionalization would start to bounce away from them and they would start to get better and language would come easily. Four, five, six months in, we didn't see any of those things happening. I happened to have a friend who also adopted, knew of this woman um, that she called the Autism Whisperer, who happened to also be Ukrainian and speak Ukraine. I made arrangements to meet with her, and she very quickly um, gave us a, a rough idea that that's probably what we were dealing with. We went privately to get our assessment because the wait list in B.C., to get assessments done through um, Sunny Hill and through BC Children's Hospital can be upwards of 12, 14, 16 months. So we paid privately to have an assessment done, and she was able to come with us because, of course, the children couldn't understand the questions that were being asked in English. So she was able to translate for them. Anyways, we found her, and she's been with us ever since, and... It's like the kids are hers too. So uh, we're very lucky to have her. After we made the decision to get their assessment, we got a diagnosis within a couple of probably four or five weeks from the time that we decided. That's the problem is that you have to, if you don't have extended health, then you have to pay for it out of your own pocket. And we felt the kids didn't have time to wait and we didn't have time to wait. So we needed to make the decision to do it privately. And I would say it was probably between three and five weeks from the time we made the appointment to the time that the testing was done and we got the final diagnosis. What is the
0: fee usually
1: associated with something like that? I think it was about $1,800 per child to get them diagnosed. Some of it was covered by extended health and some of it we paid for out of pocket. And I would recommend to anybody that comes to me, don't wait and go through the Children's Hospital in Sunny Hill. Whatever it costs, you've got to get it. Because the sooner you can get intervention started for your kids, the better off you are. can't get any help from anybody um, until you have a diagnosis on paper. It's worth having to pay for it. It's just a shame that the wait is that long. Uh, when the needs are that high, it's a real right. shame that the wait are that long. Right.
0: And it's like it's such a delicate balance but it's so unfortunate because there are people that you know are 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 trying to figure out how to how to make their way through this and your situation is is so unique because not only are you dealing with children that are you know new to you but you're dealing with a language barrier you're dealing with an environmental you know issue where they're coming out of an institution
1: and into a home in a new country yeah I well, just there's a lot of trauma and there's a trauma involved in, in all adoptions, but they definitely have um, comorbid diagnoses beyond autism as well due to their um, institutionalization. That makes their autism that much more complicated to treat, if you can call it a treatment. Uh, right. You know, it's not. there's no such thing as a treatment, but as far as being able to um, get help for them, it, it makes all of it much more complicated when we have... Other issues involved. Hmm. Um, you can know, you explain to me? That, can you explain to me comorbid? Please. Yeah. When a lot of times um, autism is a spectrum, right? Yes. So a lot of times there's other other um, issues that are. Um, mimic some of the symptoms of autism or go along with autism as well so for my uh, for both my kids they have anxiety issues as well Um, that is potentially from their institutionalization but um, but made more complicated because we're dealing with trying to treat those, um, anxiety issues with, uh, with their autism, which makes it more complicated. Uh, right. both my kids have attachment, uh, reactive attachment disorder, um, which means they have a hard time because they never learned to attach right. um, to a parent. Um, and then autism also makes attachment to humans, to people more yes. complicated because right. of the, all the autism stuff. And then on top of that, my older son um, has PTSD from oh. being institutionalized, right? So all these things go side by side with their autism and makes treating all of them that much more complicated in order to give them the best quality of life, which is obviously what we're trying to do, right? Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. We, got, we got the diagnosis and immediately, um, I think within 24 hours, had set up with our consultant who was helping us with our assessment, um, that she would start that. And we um, started immediately an ABA program in our home. Both boys had 40 plus hours of okay. ABA treatment in their home. She also had a preschool and wow. uh, eventually a, a homeschool program uh, where they um, had constant ABA. As much as we could possibly cram in, um, as we could until such time as, unfortunately, her uh, organization had to shut down um, due to lack of funding because there's never enough money. Um, right. And now they've transitioned into public school, which has uh, come with Ooh. its own challenges, for right? Sure right. Because the public school system is really not uh, as much as they try. They they are not set up to deal with children with high needs like mine so we right. struggled for sure there as well to try to get um them access to an equitable education and give them as much chances as they can get reading and, and writing is low on the priority list but and when
0: you hired this consultant was this covered or was this through your own private funds
1: no well we have um In BC, um, autism funding unit of BC pays $22,000 a year until the such time as the child is uh, six years old. So we access our funds to pay for um, all of our consultants' wages and all of our BI wages, which is our um, behavior interventionists that work with our children. Plus, um, it's supposed to cover um, equipment such as iPads, which they use for um, augmentative communication devices. Because at the time, especially neither of them had the ability to communicate verbally at all. And then at six years old, that twenty-two thousand dollars goes down to six thousand dollars because they expect the school system to pick up the slack.
0: Okay, so when they really need iPads, yeah, like they that twenty-two thousand should be from six to eighteen,
1: rather than should never. It should never end. It should never end. The older they get, the more they need. You know, it's different when I'm paying somebody who is a, a student at school, and they need hours so that they qualify to move up and get further education. And I can afford to pay them, you know, you know, minimum wage or slightly higher than minimum wage. Um, but now I'm dealing with needing people that are so highly trained that it's upwards of thirty and forty dollars an hour to keep people working as a part of my t- my home team. Um, And $6,000 a year does not cover much of that. And to also have to pay my consultant, who is, you know, integral, like nothing in my home program works without the right behavior consultant. She's the one that writes the program. She's the one that um, oversees everything. And And if I don't have the right one, then everything falls apart, right? It is completely unmanageable. The whole system is completely unmanageable. They should... I should not have to spend anything out of my own pocket to treat a medical condition. This is the problem. This is, this is the problem. If my children had, God forbid, if they had cancer, I could take them to the hospital and know that they would get treated. But this is a lifelong condition. They will never outgrow it. They will never be cured from it. They will never be well from it. They will struggle with it long past me being gone. Um, And that's the worry every single day is, how will I pay for their care, for their support long after I'm gone? Who am I going to trust them to, right? Right, um, right? This is the struggle. This is the concern every single day. And this is why we need the most, I mean, they're children for such a short amount of time. Right. Um, and adults for so much longer. We yeah. need to throw as much money um, as we can towards the situation to get them as much help as we need. From as early an age as you can possibly get a diagnosis. And then I think continue. this is a good. I think this is a good
0: distinction, Melissa. That they are kids for a short period of time, and they yeah. are adults for a longer period. I think that is a very crucial point that you're making. Yeah, yeah. You know, it 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 uh, it's logic, and it doesn't seem to me that this is. There's a lot of logic here
1: people who are trying to balance the budget that are making these decisions. Right. But if you think about it in the long term, you pay for it up front now and give the child and the family the best opportunity they can possibly have for yeah. a good life, yeah. or you pay for it in the long run. Because one in 66, my children's peers will be paying for their upkeep through taxes for a long time. And so will their children's children and their children's children. It's right. more and more kids will be diagnosed this is an epidemic, um, and what are all these adults going to do? You're just going to put them in an institution and lock them away in the hopes that nobody has to see them. They need to be participating members of society. Yes. Right when they turn yes. 19, they have to do something. Right. right. So that's why I think it's crazy that we don't we don't. You know, why aren't I getting paid to stay home and do therapy with my kids all day long? That's you a know, good. Why point do I have to, to put it over to somebody else? Right. I I should, I I should not have to give up my 40 hours of ABA a week because they turn six and they go to public school. Right. Um, I should have help all the time in my house. This is their life. Yeah. We need to do something to support for, for their whole life their whole life and, and give them a sense of community and give them a sense of purpose in their lives. Right. Um, And, Mm. and let, they should be happy, well-adjusted people, right. That can contribute on whatever level they can contribute. I don't think that's the big picture that, or anybody that doesn't deal with autism on a regular basis in their lives has any idea of, Um, right. And I think this is a lifelong condition. What is Mm -hmm. your
0: daily, the daily life? of you wake um, up in the morning
1: and what happens? Well, most nights we don't wake up in the morning. Most nights my older son, Leo, has struggled with sleep from day one. Um, oh. So I'm lucky if he and I get more than four hours a night. So very, very you are, little you're sleep. running.
0: You are personally running on four hours of sleep a night and you have been for how long?
1: About eight years. The first two years he came home, he slept less than two hours a night. Um, oh. So it was it was pretty horrendous exhaustion. We have a very strict sleep routine, and some nights it works, and some nights it doesn't work. I've slept on the couch for the last two years because he's a flight risk. Every door and every window in my house is locked, double locked, triple locked because he's an escape artist and he will leave Um, he has no concept of where he is or that it's wrong he'll leave in his bare feet we've had people we've had to call the police numerous times when he's gotten out of the house i sleep on the couch so that if he were to try to get out of the house i could hear him so that's sort of how our day starts he leo is for the most part nonverbal. he doesn't really have any ability to uh, communicate with us other than for manding for his needs. I want iced tea, I want milk, I want to go for a car ride. And that's about the amount that he could communicate with us. Yeah. He's thir- going on 13 developmentally. He's about 18 months. He's profoundly affected by autism. So in the mornings, it's a bit crazy, depending on how much sleep everybody's had. If we're exhausted and one of us has to be up in the middle of the night because otherwise it wakes up my younger son who then also doesn't sleep and then we've got two people with no two kids with no sleep and jack is a much better sleeper he's a much better sleeper but um leo can be quite disruptive in the middle of the night and he could wake up the whole household and then it's hard to get everybody back to sleep sleep disorders are a symptom of autism for sure so it's both part and parcel with his condition. Jack is he's a much he's not as severely uh, affected, although he didn't. He was completely nonverbal until he was about six years old. And then he slowly started to talk and he does talk now. And it's talking more and more every day. Could he tell you a story about what happened to him that day? Probably not. Um, But he's he's uh, higher functioning than Leo. But I would still say he's on the moderate to extreme side of autism as well. Two kids up and out the house for school. My husband then has to take on um, getting them to school um, by 8.30. Um, he's had to give up working full time because somebody has to be home with the kids. So right. he's taken on a great chunk of the day-to-day running of the household for sure yeah. while I'm out working. And then this year, we've had a terrible year at school, bad support in the school system, and okay. um, the kids are only in school half days. So he's had gets them in the afternoon by about one o'clock instead of three. They had some bad behavior issues this year, and the school felt they couldn't support them um, much past 12.31 o'clock in the afternoon, even though they both have what's called bell-to-bell support. So from the second they go to school to the second school ends, they're supposed to have full-time support. One of our workers got hurt on the job from one of our sons and was off, so then we had a revolving door of subs. And again, it's... You don't know the people, the kids don't know them. So there's no instructional control. So it just was a terrible terrible year. So we've been advocating very hard to get a better year for next year, for sure. And having a revolving door of people um, only sets us up for failure. It it will never, ever succeed because they don't know them. And why should they listen to them? Whatever education they were getting this year, they pretty much have not gotten I've been um, advocating very strong with the school board um, to try to improve their support for next year. But, you know, the school board and the unions are very um, there's a lot of families that they're trying to help and their resources are spread pretty thin. And I get that, but that doesn't mean that um, they get to dictate that my child doesn't have equal access to any other child um, to an education and to being in public school. That's our, that's very human right to an an education. And when you're,
0: a parent to a typical child, you usually grow out of these kinds of natural development things where the baby starts to sleep through the night, you sleep through the night and you take your child to school and they're taken care of. And sometimes they need some little bit of support, but it's not It's not what you're talking about. And I would like to ask, um, and it's probably more of a, a delicate question to ask, but what sacrifices have both you and your
1: husband made on, you know, over these last eight years? Well, and like I said, my husband um, gave up having to work full-time and now works part-time at a job he's overqualified for because we needed somebody who can work shift work. Basically, I come home and we have five minutes to say um, what happened during the day and this, that, and the other thing. And then he goes out the door and I take over. Um, I have them all to myself all weekend long because he works all weekend. We've sacrificed our family time for sure. We've had to sacrifice vacation any in sort of improvement to our house um, any treats for us or anything special for us we're both driving cars that are 10 and 12 years old and do yeah. minimal amount of maintenance on them just to keep them going on the road because whatever money we have is going to support the kids we had hoped to move to a bigger house we have to stay where we are There, there is, there's, there's. I mean, on every level, we sacrifice for what our kids need. You know, we we laughed during the adoption that that all this stress and the crises that we were dealing with to try to get them to Canada would go away, and and really it hasn't. Um, Every day there's some there's some crisis every single day. Um, We are on a constant state of alert. We have very few. We, our social circle has gone down to pretty much zero. Wow. Even our own family is a challenge for our families to come to our house. It's impossible for us to bring our kids together to somebody else's house. Right. So you really do become very, very isolated in your social life. It doesn't work for very long and, and you really do... You do well, just it. exist instead of instead of having a life. We try to eke out a few hours a month where we can do something together, which is very rare. My older son is now got some out of the home respite. So seven nights a, a, a month, he he sleeps elsewhere at oh. a, a, a care facility. Okay. Um, which um is currently under investigation. So I don't know oh. how much longer he's going to be there. It's um, currently
0: under investigation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. that's not going to serve you well, is it?
1: No, no, no. So um, that was able to give us seven <sighs> nights where we could all get a good night's sleep a month and give us time with our with Jack, with our younger son, to be able to focus on him because Leo really is the draw. When he's oh, okay. home, he is takes uh it's 24/7 we uh, they can never be by themselves in the house we live in a split level townhouse so yep. uh where wherever i am they need to be on the same level as me they cannot be without out of my eyesight and and why second. is that because they're a flight risk because they're a flight risk because they have no sense of consequence so if they open the window and throw the ipad out the window they have no sense that the ipad will break and we will have to pay for a new ipad um, I okay. think in the last two years, I've bought seven iPads, so, um, and the funding you know there's no more funding left to cover that. That's out of pocket, right. Um, right. Would you describe that you're
0: in a in a state of crisis
1: all the time,
0: all the time constantly, so, so constantly, would you say constantly. that crisis is your normal?
1: That's our normal now. and then yeah. to the point where it's almost like we do, we also have PTSD because you can never get out of that moment of feeling like you have to panic. Um, right. And you can never take, take a deep breath and go Ugh, like, okay, I can put my feet up because if I have a spare minute, I'm trying to keep my house running. You know, I've right. got a laundry to do. I've got to sweep. I've got to clean. I've got to, you know, if the kids are sleeping, I've got to be up. It's like when you have a baby, you got to be up doing when the yes. baby sleep, you got to That's do right. right. That's right. That's so right. So With us, if I can eke out Leo to get a few hours of sleep, I'm usually like writing letters, doing laundry, dealing with funding issues, trying to hire staff to take care of the kids. Um, you know, but it's on top not of time for you. Like stuff. you're not going for a run. No. You
0: know. No, no, no. <laughs> you're <laughs> no, not no, doing no. that. No. You're 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 basically saying when there's time, it's filled with managing the crisis that is your absolute exactly. every day
1: absolutely um, every day there is no coffee date with girlfriends there's no movies out with friends there's wow. no um even doing a renting an on-demand video at home and watching it sitting down and watching it with my husband doesn't happen because if the kids are sleeping one of us should be asleep because who knows right. when somebody's going to wake up So, yeah, it really has put a strain on our relationship, for sure. Neither one of us signed on for this. Do we love our children to death? Absolutely. Would we do it a thousand times over? Absolutely. But it just shouldn't have to be this hard. It shouldn't have to be this hard. And Like, is there coverage for you to get for your own wellness? What about your mental health? No. Autism funding um, will cover um, a little bit of therapy, (laughs) but... But when I would have time to do therapy is beyond me. If if you're not taking care of the caregiver, the caregiver can't take care of the person in need. What do you need us to understand? I I need you to understand that it's not what you see in the movies. It's not just flappy hands and a little bit of speech impediment that it is profound and it affects every cell of their bodies and therefore every cell of my body and our family's body. And that um, long after I am gone, this is what I, when I can have time to sleep, this is what keeps me awake is who will, I don't have siblings that have children that I can leave them in the care of. So when I go, some ministry, some government agency, some lawyer is going to have to watch for the next 40 years of their life what will happen to them. My hope and pray is that my community would come together to support them and make them um, acceptable. You know, uh, the looks we get when we are out in public makes you never want to leave the house. You never want to... um, to go anywhere because um, people people are afraid of what they don't understand. So for sure, huh. we need more um, exposure to all different kinds of autism. You know, the saying is, if you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. For every person in the world, There's a person with autism on some level that you will um, encounter. They should be welcomed into the community with all their quirks and foibles and all their challenges. They should be welcomed into the society and embraced by society so that I leave them to a society who will care and protect them and do what's best for them that is you know my hope every single day is that i leave them to a better world that will um encourage them to to participate on whatever level they can in the beginning i would say it was pretty unbearable to then deal with I, i i use this word with difficulty with other people's ignorance with other people's lack of understanding you know i i developed a couple of funny quirks to try to break it up with humor but at some point it stops being funny when you can't get your child up off walmart's floor and you've got 30 people wondering why what you're doing to this child that you're screaming and yelling that this child is screaming and yelling um i've had people say you know people uh, people think it's bad parenting but autism has nothing to do with parenting it has absolutely nothing to do with parenting i would tell you that autism parents are the best parents because we celebrate the tiniest little achievement is wow In comparison to, I would say, neurotypical parents. I don't mean to be judgmental back, but, you know, my son using a spoon to eat his dinner is a huge celebration. We have a party. Wow. So now, at this point, I can't not go out. Because
0: um, because there's also sensory issues as well, right?
1: Absolutely. It's a challenge for him to be in the world. It's a challenge for him to have to deal with lights and sound and noise and all of that stuff. And then to to not have the ability to tell me that he doesn't want to be there, like he right. wants to go home or he needs right. to use the washroom or, or all of those things that everybody else takes for granted, he struggles with all moments of it. Um, so, so the place he is most comfortable is in his home. But yep. um, neither of them, they both struggle with dressing themselves. They both struggle okay. with um, t- showering. They both struggle with brushing their teeth. I mean, everyday things yep. that any three and four year old could do, my children struggle with still. Wow. So, um, uh, you know, my older son is still in pull-ups at night because he can't make it through the night without um, wetting the bed. So, um, okay. you know, we're dealing with all that stuff as well. Um, right. All the time. Right. Funding doesn't right. cover the fact that I need new mattresses or I need new beds because they're jumping on them and they broke the beds. Or the right. other day, he right. was left alone for a few minutes and flooded our bathroom. So now my ceiling in my kitchen is... Got to be ripped out, and you know, oh. like this is never ending, and, and, and there's and never like ever say, enough to do it. And, and like you say,
0: it's not it's not like there's logic where you can say, "Do not turn that tap on full," because
1: exactly, or put the plug in yeah, the sink. You know, yeah. Cognitively, he's not able to understand that there's a consequence to an action. So right. all he knows is that he wants to see the water running because that's right. fun. That's fun. And every um, kid loves running water. Sensory, it's a sensory uh, menu, right? Like he's trying yep. to fill his sensory needs, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And he doesn't understand that A plus B equals C. He has right. no concept of that. No. Uh, developmentally, he probably never will have an idea that there's a consequence to an action. Um, so you can't get angry at him. He didn't do it on purpose. Right. There's, no. there's nothing you can do except now you have to deal with a flooded bathroom and a ruined kitchen ceiling, right? Um, and carpet that probably needs to be replaced. Yeah, that's that's what we deal with on a daily basis with with especially with Leo, but with most kids I know of, as soon yeah. as you give as soon as you give an action attention, negative or positive, sure, they're going to seek out that attention. Yeah. So if you have a negative reaction to it, you're guaranteed it's going to happen again because wow that got some attention i'm gonna do that one again so you really have to be emotionally neutral in these situations which in itself can be a challenge well and most of us struggle
0: with being emotionally neutral when we have eight hours sleep and you
1: are operating on little um this is a lifelong um medical condition Hmm. that affects all parts of their body um biologically um and medication that they're on affects their metabolism, affects their metabolic system. Right. So, why is it not covered by universal health care? Mm. Why is it not? If my child had cancer, God forbid, uh, I could take them to the hospital and they would get treated. Why right. is this any different? Why is mm. this any different? Right. Um, and the fact that every province is different, you know, that this yes. is from province to province to province, every province yeah. is different. Yeah. Um, uh, so so, where is where is the continuity of care? What happens if my family needed to move to another province? I have to start from scratch. Yes, Again? you do. And I and what's
0: crazy is that I've interviewed people. I've interviewed a family that moved from Halifax to Edmonton, and they and it, it didn't carry over. It's it's no. incredible. It's a, it's very. Um there's so many layers and it's it's very confusing mm-hmm. actually. Um mm-hmm. how how can people not directly affected by autism help? Well,
1: I think you should I think you should go out there and meet people in the community that have autism. Um because wow. y- the epidemic will continue. You will eventually know somebody in your family or somebody connected to your family that is on the spectrum and please don't be afraid of it. Ask questions. Families are right. happy to educate you. I'm happy mm. to talk to anybody about uh, educating them for autism awareness. There needs to be more of that for sure. Yeah. Um, and autism acceptance, more of that for sure. And um, we need to get out there in the community uh, and, and do as much fundraising, uh, not so much even for funds as, as for awareness. These kids need to be front and center. They need to be right. not... Not at the back of the photo, at the back of the line. They need to not right. be um, in, the, in the sensory room, in the resource room in school. They need to be involved right the in the class. And mm-hmm. students need to be empathetic and sympathetic and taught sympathy. Their peers need to know that these will be these people will be working side by side. And then when they get older, they need to be included in society for sure. Mm. In whatever level they can, they need to have an opportunity to have a job and participate in society in whatever level they can that needs to be accessed so that they are not lepers they're not right. you know pushed under the rug and and set aside because it's too difficult to look at wow. it is reality reality that they will be you know who knows in 20 years what those right. statistics are going to be right one in two one in four one in five right they're, and so, and so you're saying
0: you're saying The numbers aren't,
1: the numbers are getting worse. Worse. It's an epidemic. I'm not looking for any handouts. That's, that's the thing, you know. I, I, I'm a prideful person, and in the beginning, it was very hard for me to ask anybody for help. You quickly right. learn when you have an exceptional child that that has to go by the wayside because right. you will not survive it if you don't ask for help. So I am wow. asking, I would wow. ask my community to help me. If you can't, if, if in the grocery store, my child is having a meltdown, um, mm. if you cannot help, walk away. Please right and, stand and walking stare. away not is helping, helping the situation walking, walking away, away is helping, away is is helping. Con- yeah walking away is helping because give me a moment to deal yeah. with my child without watchful eyes give my child the respect they deserve when they're having a difficult time to not be made a spectacle of then please just walk along and continue on with your life um mm. and not make my child feel worse than I'm sure they would you know there is dignity my child has a right to have a dignified life dignity um and be treated with dignity and not laughed at or snickered at or spoken about under somebody's breath um that's my child's innate right my child's human right Mm. as a living human being they're not less than they are just as equal to everybody Mm -hmm. else and they struggle more than anybody else to just get through the day Wow. Um. And that's what I would ask for society: is to be more aware. And and wow. if you're afraid, ask questions. Anybody needs to understand that we are a big portion of the population, and we are only growing bigger. Wow. I. Uh, you have me
0: speechless. Actually, I, uh, <laughs> just about tearing up here because I really hear what you're saying, and. You're not being selfish in this, ask. You're saying, please see this. Please see me. Please see my child and don't see them and then treat them with disrespect or with judgment. See me as a mother and not look at me and go, oh my gosh, what is she doing? What a terrible parent context is king. And when you do, when you don't understand context, then you're losing out on the story. And that is what we are doing here today. We are talking about the story and the way that a story shapes who you are and it shapes the environment and it shapes, you know, how you move in and, and function in the world. And it, and for me, listening to this story, uh, this is powerful. And I've never, in all the conversations I've had with families who have a child or children with autism, I have never had two stories that are the same. There are threats that are the same. There's crisis Mm -hmm. and crisis is a normal and the judgments that go along with it and the lack of provision and the lack of nurturing that, that Mm -hmm. society is missing. But Mm -hmm. the one thing that is always shocking to me is the vulnerability in which families are offering to society, and this has been an eye opener for me. And Melissa, I I just want to say thank you very much for. Oh, you're welcome. Sharing. I I just it's it's uh this has impacted me. You're you are incredibly candid, and I am glad that you didn't you know mince words. Um,
1: I am I, no, I don't, we have no time to mince words. <laughs> We have no time. We, have to move we don't have time. <laughs> we don't. No, we don't. You, you, we don't. You're These totally kids are totally right. getting older. Yeah. Yeah. You're These right. Kids are only getting older and they don't have time for um, society to catch up. So hurry up, huh. catch up, hurry up, figure it Let's out. Go. <laughs>
0: move along. And- and with that, I, I, uh, I want to say thank you. And oh, thank you. I would like to set up another time at some point to, to check back in with you and see if there's been any change. Sure. I, I know that we are working hard on this and I want to just uh, commend you for your lack of sleep for your every day. You are committed and you did not sign up for this. And, um, I just want and you to know that I does. no family does and I hear no. you. And I think that's mm-hmm. the message is that I hear mm-hmm. you and my message to other people is hear this story and take action in the, in, in the ways that Melissa has so articulated, uh, man, I'm a, uh, I, am I can't even, my words are gone at this point. <laughs> well, well done. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you,
1: thank you, thank you for taking the time. The thing you learn fast is that you do not have all the answers. You think as a parent you're going right. to have all the answers and you're going to know how to parent. You're going to read a couple of books and you're going to talk to a couple of mums right. and you're going to figure it out. And this goes so deep beyond that level that if you don't quickly learn right. to ask for help, um, you will think. Right. And with, if you think, well, your and if children you were a parent. Will-
0: If you were a parent or a woman or a man who said, I'm a doer, I pride myself, I'm going to do it all on my own. This is
1: not, this doesn't work for
0: a person. You can
1: only white knuckle it for so long before you really hit a bottom. And if you don't ask for whatever help you need, and you know, this past year has been uh, the, the most challenging year we've had to date. Um, wow. And that's what I mean when we say the older the kids get, um, yeah. the more they need. Um, the bigger they are, the more they need. You know, yes. it's a little different when I can scoop up my three-year-old um, right, than when I have now. to skip up, pick up my 13-year-old. It um, doesn't quite work the same. It's been a year where I've had to learn. I, I've really had to find a new level on my voice and wow. learn to really scream loud for advocacy um, and not and, and be the squeaky wheel that gets the grease mm. and not shrink into the background and say, that's okay, I'll, right. I'll, I'll let that one go. I'll, I'll let right. it go. And, and you right. know, now it needs to be family-centric, right? Yeah. That's what it needs to be. It needs yeah. to be um, supporting the family, like the whole family right. is has autism when you have a member of your family that has autism your whole family has autism it's a your family diagnosis. oh that that your, that is your important. whole family has autism right oh, it, it's right. not just it's not just one person that's sick right. or has this disorder everybody in your family and not just your family your extended family your your right. your, your, your sisters your brothers their kids their your kids, whole family kids, it's the whole family. It's a tree and it branches all the way out. Everybody's got the diagnosis of autism. The whole family, wow. and the whole family needs, um, needs care oh. and needs support and needs um, attention and needs to yeah. have, you know, holistically, needs to be um, addressed, the whole family, not just the child with autism The child with wow. autism is living in their bubble. That's, the child with autism is all good it's everybody else around the child that needs help, that needs wow. support, right? Yes. And I have a friend whose son has
0: autism. There's this unpredictability and an uncertainty that happens that you just, that you live as a family every day. And it's very, very difficult.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very difficult. You know, even if we were to- even if we were to try to plan a trip to, let's say, Disneyland, right? Right. Um, the amount of money I would have to spend to bring people with me to rent extra hotel rooms to, oh. um, but, but beyond that, even to plan moment by moment by moment, what potential crisis could we come up right. against and have plan A through D ready in case of an emergency at any one time. Yes, um, right. You know, like that's what I mean. Like every single second, you can't just say, Oh, let's hop on a plane and go to Disneyland or let's just right. get in the car and go to the beach today, because I need a week to plan what Ugh. all you know, and I could potentially need months to work with my child to get them used to the idea of getting on a plane, you know. <laughs> well, or to get them used to the idea of the sensory
0: aspect. The sensory of, issues, right? And then what do the you community? do, right? You know, if you go to the Pe and e yeah. and all the lights and all the music and all the people exactly. and they're picking up on the vibe, exactly.
1: exactly, you know, it's even to get on the SkyTrain can be a wow. challenge because of the noise on the SkyTrain and the people. And if they don't get the right seat at the front of the train, like, oh my God, the world is coming to an end. Right. Um, right. It's, it's every single moment of every single day is uh, what if this happens? what's the what's the crisis management in this moment right how do we deal with it in this moment and what if plan a b c d and e and f don't work out do we have a plan g because i got to make sure i have a plan g and i'm a planner so i like to plan but this is above and beyond i don't need to plan like this right it's it's a society was more willing and more aware and more uh, exposed to it then then maybe they could say you know pat you on the back at the end of it and say good job mom and wow. that little word of encouragement can take you weeks, can carry you weeks through the next crisis, right? Um, wow, if we could cute. be more compassionate and have more empathy like that um, in the world, then these I have hope that these kids will grow up to be um, adults that can participate in their community. Wow. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Laurie. And thank you for
0: doing that. Thank you very much, Laurie. Bye-bye. All right. Bye, Melissa.
1: Bye.